What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. So I just finished our summer break camp last week, and uh, basically we had the kids at the dojo. They would basically get there around 8 or 9 a.m. in the morning and stay until 4 p.m. So they got to do a lot of training and ended up playing a lot of games and stuff like that and just all around seemed like it really worked out really well. Um, In the past, we've had much smaller camps with maybe five to ten kids, you know, very small. This year we were able to get uh, 20 kids to participate in our camp last week. So big improvement for us on that. And I think part of it has to do with moving into a bigger location. Uh, We can obviously handle a lot more kids in this new building that we're in. because We have a lot more room. We have two training rooms, all that stuff. So we even had some uh, teens at the camp and uh, some pretty experienced ones as well. So we were able to even split them off and have one of our more experienced teen students uh, coach them through some more advanced moves while I worked with the um, younger kids. So that worked really well. And we're looking to improve that next year and maybe do um, more camps, have more options. This year we did two for the summer. We did one in June and we did one in July. And we're looking to maybe do six or eight weeks next summer. And so we'll see how that goes. We'll definitely plan for it. Uh, One thing that really was uh, much better at this camp was we added a 30-minute character development uh, training every day, basically. So first thing in the morning when the kids get to camp, they would go over a certain character value, uh, like self-control or discipline or leadership or something like that. So we would go over it and talk about a segment of how to understand that better. And then we would bookend that with different little games to keep them engaged that had to do with that character value um, for the day. So like when we did teamwork, we would talk about how to be a good teammate and get the kids answering and get them all engaged. And then we would play tug of war or something like that. So it, it was really easy actually to fill up the 30 minutes. I thought maybe it would be kind of tricky to actually fill up 30 minutes with that, but it was extremely easy. A couple times they were having so much fun that we went over that and uh, started late on our other stuff. But then basically after that, we would train for two hours. So we would do an hour of karate and then an hour of jujitsu and then finish off with about 30 minutes of uh, mat games, such as Danger Ball or Ninja Freeze Tag. And then it was basically lunchtime. And then we had um, activities planned for each afternoon. So things like Minecraft in real life for one day where we'll basically play a lot of Mac games centered around uh, Minecraft. And other days they would make a martial arts movie or uh, have a Nerf gun war and things like that. So overall it was a big success and we're looking forward to the next one for sure. Um, A couple of things we could change next time is having even more helpers that can pay attention to the really young kids because we had a couple of five-year-olds. And just the more helpers we have, the better we can have everybody doing an activity that suits their age the best. So things for the older kids and things for the really young kids as well. So, yeah, so that's basically what happened for the camp. So The next thing I wanted to go over on the podcast, guys, was to talk about this uh, jiu-jitsu competition I watched on uh, Flow Grappling. It's called Subversive, and it's basically team grappling competition. Uh, it's not the same rules as Quintet, which had more of a survival format. This was set up more like a wrestling meet, so each of the five teammates had a match planned for the tournament, and basically they would add up 
whoever had the more wins for their team would win. Uh, the other difference was they added EBI overtimes. And uh, that, to me, is very interesting because it definitely changes it a lot. So people have a lot less likelihood of being able to stall out their opponent and just keep them out of the tournament in the survival format. So in uh, this format, we saw they were able to have four men on the team and one woman as well, which is interesting too because they can change it up that way without trying to have a whole uh, women's team because there's still not that many women competitors at that level yet. So it's very difficult for them to put together a full team. So it's nice mixing it like that so that you can still have some female matches but not have to have a whole team put together for that. So uh, we saw 10th Planet versus Team Bowie, and Team Bowie was basically an assortment of IBJJF world champions and things like that. So um, most of the 10th Planet guys have not won any IBJJF world championships or anything like that. None of them have, in fact. So uh, a lot of people, I think, assumed that the IBJJF, bleh, IBJJF champions would win. And uh, it did turn out that way. The uh, 10th Planet team ended up winning 4-1. to one. So uh, I think a lot of people were surprised by that. I'm not because generally I think under the EBI rules, 10th Planet is going to be extremely hard to beat anyways. But it's good that uh, a lot of other people got to see that because there's still so many people that would doubt that. But um, it just really showed that their superiority in the uh, overtime rounds. If you don't train for overtime rounds, you will, you're will you not going to be ahead of the other guys. So the only way to really be prepared for that is to be good at overtime, which means you're going to be really good at escaping back control and escaping arm bars, and you're going to be really good at finishing arm bars and finishing back control, which is a great thing to be good at in jiu-jitsu. So it won't negatively affect your jiu-jitsu training at all. All it's going to do is make you better at those two positions that are extremely important regardless of what kind of rule set you're in. Those are still going to be very important positions to get good at. And there's just no way to try to keep up with that. It's the same thing as if a boxer tries to do MMA. There's no way he's going to be prepared for all the positions that the MMA fighters have to train for because the rule set is different. So the same thing goes with uh, point jiu-jitsu and sub-only jiu-jitsu. They're basically different sports because the different things you need to focus on uh, really change your training that you're going to have to do for it. So that was uh, pretty cool to see. So just to remind people about how the difference in those two sports and that people have to really train a lot for one of those to get ready for it. So that was very cool. And the last thing I wanted to go over on this podcast was a uh, article I wrote quite a while ago and I just never put it out online. I think because I had to go back and edit it, and I just never got around to doing it. But it was something I wanted to talk about for a while after uh, watching a lot of uh, John Jock Machado matches from ADCC back in the early 2000s. So uh, basically, the idea of the article is that weaknesses can lead to strength in other areas. So a lot of times you'll have a grappler who's uh, in- incredibly good at a certain area of jiu-jitsu and just blows everybody out of the water in that area. And uh, I think a lot of the times it's actually due to a weakness they have somewhere else. So it pushes you towards trying to get good at something else. So John Jock Machado is a great example of that because he um, 
doesn't have full use of one of his hands. His fingers are not even usable on that hand, so he's not able to grip with his hand. And in gi jiu-jitsu, it's very important to be able to grip with your hands uh, so that you can grab collars and lapels, and pant legs, and things like that. And if you don't have that, it would make a big difference for you. So you have to use different kind of grips, the kind of grips you would use in no-gi, which would be things like overhooks and underhooks and uh, stuff like that. So John Jacques Machado was able to do extremely well in ADCC because he was so good at gripping different ways than the gi grapplers that went to compete in that tournament. Uh, back at that time, a lot of wrestlers were able to actually just beat most of the jiu-jitsu guys by stalling them out, taking them down, getting a few points, and just holding them. Because a lot of the jiu-jitsu grapplers, as far as we can tell, needed to adjust the way they were grappling. Uh, they were still trying to use a lot of the methods they used in gi competition, which did not translate completely to ADCC rules, which is no gi. Well, it's actually not no gi, but everybody wears no gi. Like, you can wear a gi in ADCC, but no one does it, because it's basically giving yourself a disadvantage. Because it will give your opponent grips on you, and you won't have any more grips on them. So, uh, John Jacques Machado was able to run through his division and tap out all of his opponents, uh, in large part due to the fact that having no use of his hand forced him into using grips that would make him really good at no-gi competition. There's no way John Jacques Machado could have known that when he was young and had to deal with grappling without the use of his hand. So, you can use that and apply it to your life in the way that you may have a weakness of your own, whether it's that you're short or you're too skinny or you're whatever. Um, and you may not know how that could turn into a strength. And maybe it won't. Sometimes it doesn't. But there's definitely ways that you can use that fact to push yourself towards getting good at other things, things that other people might overlook because they don't have that same uh, issue that you do. So... Uh, that's the idea of the article is basically that. So I did post it. So if you want to read it more, it probably has more to it than what I'm talking about right now. Um, there's probably more detail in there. Uh, then you can do that on, uh, our Facebook page. We have a link posted to it. So that's the message for today, guys, is sometimes your weaknesses can lead to having a strength in a different area. So try to look for that and capitalize on it. Okay. So have a good week guys, and I'll see you next time on the podcast.